If you, if you look in your notes, I hope you got a bulletin. If you did, you can look into your notes. And if you look in them, you're going to see an insert. This one's a little different, but a little bigger, but it's the same insert. You can read that. Now, some of you need to put your glasses on. Some of you need to take them off so you can see it. So I don't know which way you need to go, but do whatever you need to do. Get out your magnifying glass. It talks about things I can control and things I cannot control. Let's look at some of those things we cannot control in our life. If you were sitting in a counselor's office, you probably would see something like this. If the conversation, conversation lended itself this way, they would help guide you through things that you can do something about and things you cannot. So uh, you can't control how other people feel or how other people behave or how other people react. Can I get a witness in the house on that so far? You really can't, can't we? Uh, we can't control if other people choose to forgive us. Would that be right? Uh, other people's boundaries, we can't control their boundaries, their future, the past. We cannot control the future or the past of our, of our own life. And the beliefs and perceptions of others, the attitude of others, what happens around me, and what others say. You, you can't control what other people say. Am I right? If I am, say yes. You can't control that, right? And we can't help what others think of us. Some of them think pretty highly of us, let's say. Some of them might think pretty low of us, and maybe they don't even know us, and they think too much of us, or they think too little of us. I don't, look at that center. Now, it says things I can control. When you look at the color wheel here, you start seeing some things that make a difference here. Boundaries I set with others. How I let other people affect me. Uh, when or if I forgive others. That's a big one, isn't it? When or if I forgive others. Where I give my time, my energy, and my attention. You know, all of us, every one of us have the same amount of time in a day is how we use that. You ever thought of that? Remember saying that last church I was in and this guy who was saying, I never have time to volunteer at church, never have time. He said, you know what? You said that and I realized I do have the same amount of time as everybody else and I've been thinking they need to do it. He cut out, he built homes and sold them on the side and he worked at, at Wentzville at the automotive plant and building cars. Anyway, he decided he would just slow down on some of the house building, and he would come to the church. And man, he just took off, and he, he did a lot of great stuff there. He said, I, I'm going to use my time to make a difference for God now. And he did. He was huge different. How I speak to and treat others. My response to others' behavior. Some of you might need that. It might benefit from that. <clears throat> that is something you probably would get if you went into a counselor's office. But what are we going to do about the fatigue and what are we going to do about the burdens and the stresses that we're experiencing right now in the life that we're in? What are we going to do about the way we're handling and navigating everything that's going on in us, around us immediately, and around us in the extended reality of our life? How are we going to deal with these things without absolutely going nuts, taking it out on somebody, saying something we shouldn't say, doing something we shouldn't do, or something like that? We need to be able to come to the Scripture, and the Scripture teaches us how to deal with that in one of the invitations from Jesus. When Jesus absolutely is on point, and He always was, always is, but He's on point with His teaching, and He wants us to understand what He has to say, so He begins to speak into our lives, and this is a passage that all of us can benefit from. I think you can benefit from it today. We want to look at some of the things that He will help us make the adjustments to, to be able to handle even those things we cannot control. 
He won't just give us perspective. He'll give us the ability to live and succeed or thrive, even though we face these kinds of situations. So we want to look at this passage of Scripture, this pericope of verses, and in that we want to find the things that Jesus is saying to us that we can embrace and take with us as we leave this place today. I believe that there are four words from Jesus that we can receive that will help us in the overwhelming situation we have, that we can find rest for our soul. The first is found in the phrase, come to me. Now this can happen in a minute. We will allow ourselves to embrace the teachings of Jesus. We will allow ourselves to accept his life, his forgiveness, his resurrection. We will accept his way of doing things, his worldview, his perspective on everything. And as we do that, we can do that in a moment. If you have never received Christ into your life, I encourage you, I don't care what your age is, I don't care what your station in life is, if you have never received your creator, if you have never received the one that you'll go answer to at the end, I want to encourage you to in this moment right now, open your life up to him. But when we, when we come to Jesus, we're going to be moving away from some other things. If we look at the context of this passage and the neighboring verses around it, we realize what's happening in this context. These people were being burdened with all kinds of religious rules. They had 613 commandments they would give to the people. And so the people had to manage their life based on those commandments. And you really couldn't even remember them all. So if you broke a commandment, you hardly knew it. And if somebody got onto your case about it, you really felt bad about it. And so Jesus says, wait a minute, I want you that are tied up, he says in Matthew 23 and verse 4, I want those of you who are tied up under the heavy loads that people have put on your shoulders. He's saying to them, he's saying to you and to me, he's saying to you, come to me, he says, I want to give you rest. I want you to move away from a burdening religion that overwhelms you with just a bunch of rules. I want you to come to me and enter into what we talk about so often at this church. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you have the Holy Spirit living within you and you have the forgiveness of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, you have something that is priceless. You have something that is incredible. You have something no one else can give you except Jesus. And when he comes into you, he makes all things new. He changes your life. He changes your perspective. He can set you free. It is absolutely powerful what he can do. Am I talking to tombs or to people today? Can I get a witness somewhere in this house? We move away from overwhelming expectations of other people. When I was a young man, I was on fire for Christ. I was in college now. One of my friends, Bob, he too was on fire for Christ. We were following Christ closely, reading scripture, praying, encouraging others to follow Christ. We were both studying to be ministers. And there was a man who lived in the neighborhood of the campus, knew us from church, who we were. But I really didn't know the guy uh, well. I knew his first name. But he came over to the dormitory where my friend Bob and I lived. And he looked us up and he said, you know what you guys need to do? And I'm thinking, good grief, who are you to know what we should do? I really don't have a clue what you're getting ready to tell me right now. And I wasn't sure I even wanted to hear. And he really didn't have any position to speak into my life, I didn't think. He said, you guys need to get a tent and you need to, you need to go on the road and hold these crusades out. That's what you guys need to do, tent meeting. You know what I found out about him later on? He had a call in the ministry that he had run from. He was telling us to do what he should have been doing. And I said, you know what, sir? I'm not, I'm not interested. God isn't calling me to that. I'm not going to get a big tent. We're just going to go build a big building in Cherryville. No, I'm not going to do that. I said, uh, I really don't feel God saying that. I do hear you saying it, but I don't feel, we run away from that. We come to Jesus. We follow what Jesus says. We're going to follow what Jesus is saying. And when we come to Jesus, we're moving away from personal bondage. 
Somebody has said that the average person is crucifying themselves between two thieves. The thief of the regret of yesterday and the thief of the worries of tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, you can do nothing about what happened yesterday. You and I cannot go back there and relive that moment as much as we'd like to have. Once in a while I catch myself, I flinch, I catch myself and say, no, let it go. I'm back reliving a conversation or I'm back reliving a moment. And I'm saying, man, if I could do that again. But you know what? I can't do that again. And I have to stop myself and say, Kev, you got to stop, dude. You can't go back and live that moment again. You've got to let it go. Let me speak in a deeper level to some of you right now. Some of you have done some stuff, and I've sat with people who have murdered others, literally murdered, and they felt horrible about it. And there was nothing they could do about it now. You can't unshoot the bullet. You can't unstab the knife. You can't undo the death. And I said, you know, you confess your sins out to God, and you trust in His forgiveness, and His power can make you what you ought to be. That happened. You'll live with the regret of that, but He will forgive you, and He will set you free. What would you have said to them? I had to say the truth, and it is the truth that sets us free. Can I get a witness in this house somewhere? It is the truth of God that sets us free. And this is good preaching, Kev. Keep going, baby. Keep going. Oh, We also move away from the crushing, overwhelming burdens of life when we move to Christ. In His presence, there is peace. In His presence, there is joy. In His presence, He lifts the load a bit. And he says to us, I want you to come to me. He takes care of that whole bunch of coulda, woulda, shouldas that we have in our life. And so when we move toward him, we move toward him, we realize we're getting some relief. We're getting somewhere. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 61 and verse 2. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I was talking to a fellow involved in military one day, and he, he explained to me, he said, Kevin, the guy with the higher ground has the greater advantage. And he began to unpack that and explain that. And in that, it explained the whole idea of Star Wars and Reagan in the 80s, when they began the Star Wars situation. As we were up above, we could see other nations and take pictures of other nations and tell where they were moving their stuff, tell where their stuff might be hidden or whatever was going on with that. There is a method to the madness. We began to understand some of those things. And the psalmist says, Lord, when you lift me up, I begin to see my life a little bit differently. When you lift me up, I begin to get that thousand foot view, that 2,000, that 3,000, and I began to gain perspective on what's going on in my life. You see, now I know how I ought to feel about it. I know how I ought to think about it. I know what my next step ought to be on this whole situation. God, when I just step away from it, I remember one of the professors talking to, about another professor at the school and said, once in a while I say to that professor, you just need to drive off campus sometime and take a 15, 20-minute ride out of here. The place will look a lot better to you when you do. And once in a while when we just kind of walk away from something and come back, we gain a new perspective. We walk toward Jesus. Today, if you have never received Christ as your personal Savior, I want to encourage you. This invitation in verse 28 is to all of us. It says to us, come to me all who are weary and burdened. That word all is inclusive. That word all means everyone. Whether you find yourself with your life really put together and maybe you have made it in life in some way that you think is making it and your life is pretty good. I just want to remind you, your life as you know it now will end and you will see your creator. You don't get in there on the merit of all the stuff you've done. You get in there on the merit of what he has done. 
And so we believe, second, in, in Christ, and totally in Christ and in Christ alone. There is nothing else we can do. In my hand, no price I bring. Someone had a conversation with me this week and said they were witnessing and sharing the faith with someone, and the person said, I just hope I have done enough. And my friend said back to him, you have not done enough. Let me tell you how it works. And he explained what I'm explaining to you. We repent, we believe, and then we confess. We confess Jesus. We confess him as our savior. We confess him as Lord. We confess him as God's son. We confess him in our life, and we do that openly. And then there is another phrase, not just come to me, but he says in verse 29, take from me. Now come to me, we can do that in a minute. Take from me, we can do that in a moment. When you came in, they handed you a bulletin, you just took it, you walked right on, maybe smiled, thank you, something like that. But he says, take from me. And what he says, take from me, you better understand what you're taking because you, you're going to have to take this. Now, we went to a minister's gathering Friday and into Saturday, and some are still there. We came home so we could be with you. But they had entertainment on Friday night that was quite interesting. They had this guy with a legitimate bowling ball, a tube of lick, lipstick, chapstick, whatever, and he had a pogo stick. You know what that is? You jump. Uh, I cannot demonstrate other than that. <laughs> I do not do pogo sticks on Sunday or any day that starts with T, today or tomorrow. And uh, so, but he has these three things. And this dude juggled a bowling ball, pogo stick, chapstick. He had like four or five big long swords. They were real. They were metal. I've got video of it. He, 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 he juggled them. He juggled four tennis rackets. He put it on his head and juggled and pulled it off his head and keep... This guy was absolutely crazy. Now, where was I? Oh, you better watch what you're picking up. He was picking up a bowling ball. Jesus says here, look at this. He says, take my yoke. You know, that's a powerful passage when he says, take my yoke. Now, this would be a wooden piece with perhaps some leather on it. And Jesus would understand this, no doubt, from working in a carpenter shop where they probably made some of these yokes. They would go on oxen. And generally, you'd put a couple of them together and tie a plow to it, and, and you'd be able to plow your field. And so he says, I want you to take my yoke. I want you to take my yoke because this yoke is made for two. He says, I'm coming alongside you. I'm going to be with you in the death of your friend, your loved one. I'm going to be with you in case your spouse divorces you. I'm going to be with you if you have a child that goes the wrong way. I'm going to be with you in case you get fired from your job. I'll be with you when your health take my yoke. My yoke is tailor-made for you. It fits you exactly. I designed you, God is saying. I created you, he's saying. I know your personalities. I know your foibles. I know your likes. I know your dislikes. I know everything about you. And he says, I'm going to put my yoke on you. I'm going to be doing this. He wants to be with you in these moments. It is designed exactly for you. And then he says, and take my burden. It is light. That sounds like an oxymoron. That sounds like Jesus. Are you sure? Did you just lose it on that? But he's saying, no, no, no. I did not lose that. I am alongside you. I will pull when the rocks are hard to pull again. I will pull whenever the winds are in our face. I will pull and I will help you with whatever's going on. I will help you carry on without being so overwhelmed by this that it absolutely 100% takes you out. He says, I'm going to come alongside you. He said, because my yoke is easy in this sense. And my burden, he says, 
is light. I want to tell you that I've lived long enough now that I know for a fact that Jesus Christ can be with you whenever you don't feel like going on with your life. He can be with you when the burdens are very, very heavy. I've been with too many friends, and I've got too many of them on the other side, and I've got too many of them that have been around me. They've experienced this stuff, but I'm not just telling you stuff that I've read about or heard about. I'm telling you he will help you in your own life when you are going through these types of things that I've talked about today. Jesus Christ will never leave you. He will never forsake you, and he will be with you always to the very end of the age. You know what that means? He will be with you to the end of your life or until he returns in the rapture. He will be with you right on through that. And that's what he means. He is with you. Thank you, Jesus. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 puts it this way. This is love for God. To obey his command, and his commands are not burdensome. So he says to them, I'm not trying to overburden you with a bunch of religion. I'm trying to bring a relationship, and you need the relationship, he said. Now I was buying a winter coat the other day. It seemed like it was cooling off enough. I thought I might need one. <laughs> And I was reading the reviews on them. Some of the wool is a little bit stiff, so I didn't necessarily want that. But some of the wool, if you get a certain kind of coat, London Fog, different ones, a higher end of London Fog, you can get a coat that will actually, what their reviews were saying, it will flow on your body. And I thought, well, that sounds like what I want. And I have a coat, and it flows. And it's fun to wear that coat whenever it gets cold. It's okay to wear that coat. All of us are going to wear a coat of life. All of us are going to wear our burdens. He says, if you'll let me come alongside you, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It will flow on you. And then he says, I want you to do something else. I want you to learn from me. Now, to come to Jesus and to take from Jesus, we can do that in an instant, like grabbing the bulletin. But he says, learn from me. This is going to take time. All of us learn in a different way. All of us have different life experiences. I received a phone call from a lady some time ago who said to me, my husband needs to be a spiritual leader in our home. The Bible says that's the way it should be, and I don't know why he's not. I can't understand why he is not doing it. I listened to her rant and rave for a while. I was quite patient, and I listened to her, and I said to her, ma'am, I have listened to you for quite a while, and you have been very transparent. Would you mind if I talk now? And I'm going to be very blunt and very transparent, too. And she said, okay, go ahead. And I said to her, in all kindness, I said, ma'am, your husband, did, he didn't grow up in church, did he? Nope. When did he come to Christ? He came to Christ a couple years ago? Yep. How long have you gone to church? Oh, about 35 years. I said, you expecting him to be some kind of spiritual giant? <laughs> He's hearing the story of Jesus for the first time, and you've heard it for the thousandth time. You know so much more than he knows. How can you expect him to be? You married a man who is not able to be a spiritual leader in your home right now. If you'll be patient with him, he can learn. But if you're going to be pushy about it, he probably never will learn. And she said this to me, no pat on my back, no feather in my hat. She said, I've learned more in this 10, 15 minute conversation with you than from all the counseling sessions I've been to. I said, you know what? I'm probably saying what the counselor has been saying, but they were too nice to say it the way I said it. I just took a two before of truth out, swabbed you upside the melon, and now you know. (laughs) 
Mm. Jiggy, jiggy, gee. <laughs> Take and learn gentleness. Now, gentleness was not common in Jesus' culture. As a matter of fact, you want to be a tough dude. You want to be a rough person. You want to be, a, and we use the expression, a man's man in his case. You want to be a self-made person. You want to be all of that. But Jesus said, no, we're not going to go that way. That, that may be working out in culture and all that stuff. But he said, I want you to go like me. Well, how did Jesus roll? Well, when Jesus was coming in for his triumphal entry, he came in riding on a donkey. Now, great military might would come in on a horse, probably a white horse. It represents military strength. That's how they came in. Read the account and read the historical uh, complement to it. And you understand that they would come in with all the regalia. Not Jesus. He came in with a donkey. It was probably a Missouri mule type donkey, but he was riding in on that and they were throwing down the branches and they were saying, Hosanna, that's a political statement and it means save us now. We hate what's happening. Save us. And they threw their coats down on the way and they were saying this on the triumphal entry of Jesus. That's why we have Palm Sunday, Palm Branches, Palm Sunday. That's how we get it. And so Jesus rode the donkey. That's the gentleness of Jesus. The gentleness of Jesus is when Jesus is sitting with the disciples, he would say, I'm going to wash your feet. The gentleness of Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Only servants did that, not kings of the universe. But Jesus did that. Mary had changed Jesus' diapers. And Jesus would sit down and do that. Follow my gentleness, he said. When he sat at the Last Supper, and there is Judas. Judas is going to betray him. You remember Judas, right? We'll say as an idiom, oh, don't be a Judas, because we don't want somebody to betray, right? And in these moments here, he said, he said, Judas, go do what you have to do. <laughs> now, in our, own, in our own way of thinking, we may have put a tag sentence on that. Probably not, this, probably not this side over here. You probably wouldn't, but they might have. But not you. I know you wouldn't have. But they might have said something like this. Judas, go do what you have to, you dumb nut. You loser. No good for nothing. You never did understand who I was, but not Jesus. He says, take my gentleness. Before Pilate, Pilate says, are you the king? And Jesus could have said, yeah, you think you're king. I'm going to show you who's king. He didn't. He said, it is as you have said. That's Jesus. Come to me, he says, and learn something else. It takes a while to learn that, doesn't it? He says, I want you to learn uh, humility. Catherine Graham, longtime publisher of the Washington Post, she was asked, you have met with many leaders from around the world, and as you have met with them, what is the one common trait that stands out among all leaders? What do you think she might have said? She replied this, the absence of arrogance. Truly great leaders, the absence of arrogance. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 2 and 3. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Billy Graham preached to more people than John Wesley, more people on earth at one time than Jesus did. Jesus said greater things than this you'll do. That was one of them. He spoke to more people than anyone else in the history of humanity. And as Billy Graham would speak, the publicity and the recognition was tremendous for him. And he said, one day God reminded me of a passage a passage out of Isaiah 42 and 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. 
I will not yield my glory to another. And he says, I don't take the glory that belongs to the Lord. Psalm 115 and verse 1 puts it this way. Not us, Lord. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and your faithfulness. None of us are that big of a deal that we should glory in whatever we've been able to achieve or accomplish or wherever we've been able to go or whoever we know. Someone asked me in conversation this week, who's the greatest person you've ever met? The person was already a Christian. I would have said Jesus, but they said that you have personally met out in the world. But I'll tell you the greatest person I've ever met. He is a maker of me. He is a maker of you. He is our creator, Jesus. And then he says, I want you to do something else. This is almost uncommon in our culture right now with all the stress levels, anxiety levels at seemingly all-time high. I talked to a counselor just, just the other day, and I said to the counselor, I said, what are you seeing? said, anxiety is off the wall. So many people are anxious right now. As a counselor from up near Milton, and I had run into them, and I just said, hey, what are you seeing? And that's what they told me. Jesus says here in this last that we look at, he says, rest in me. Look at verse 29 of your passage. He says, rest in me. Jesus says you'll find rest from the overwhelming rhythms of your life. If you're not finding rest in Jesus, you say, well, I tried Jesus and I didn't find rest. You're not really trying Jesus. You're trying your version of Jesus. Try the version of Jesus from the Bible. <laughs> you'll find some rest. You don't have to be all that. You can just be you because he knows you. He likes you. Psalm 23 and verse 2, David understood what it was to know the Lord like this and enter his rest. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That means I have plenty to eat. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That means it's well watered, well soiled, well fertilized. He makes me do that. And then he says, he leads me beside the quiet water. Do you like to listen to white noise or pink noise or something when you're sleeping at night? Anybody, anybody like to listen to some noise when you're sleeping at night? Yeah, you like turn that on to drown everything out so you can sleep. Am I right? Yes. You know, David understood that concept. Listen to his white noise. He said, you lead me beside quiet waters. He doesn't want the turbulent sounds of something to distract him and some kind of cricket chirping somewhere and all of a sudden, you, you know, a frog eats it or something. He doesn't want that. So look at verse 5 of Psalm 23. He says, you anoint my head with oil. There is something cool and soothing about that. But also the animals around would have the larvae dig into their ear or up into their snoot. And then they would plant their eggs and they would begin to grow. This could be a problem. But here we are in the Northeast and it's really cold today. Someone told me minus one at your house today, yeah? Plus one at your house today. It feels good in here today. You should all be here today. It's awesome in here today. And we we're able to experience. But you know what? If you're like me, you go to the dermatologist once in a while, and they say, you know what? you got really fair skin, and you need, to, you need to use lotion. And the lotion, you need to use Vaseline only, Kevin. You don't use something else. Other people use other stuff. You just use Vaseline. And I know this much. I can't wait to get back over to my office. I put it on my hand here, my hand here, and I start doing this. I just rub them together like that. I put it on this side, and then everything's sticky. But I put it on this side, and my hands feel so... You anoint my head with oil. He anoints him as a king. In other words, he crowned him. Isaiah 26.3, a POW of World War II told me this verse was the one that guided him through. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you, as some versions put that. So he's going to give us rest. Jesus says, come to me, everyone who needs rest. 
What's he mean by this? He says, I will rejuvenate you. That's another word you could use. I'm going to rejuvenate you. Your loved one dies, I'll rejuvenate you. Your ex walks out, I'll rejuvenate you. Family member goes the wrong way, I'll rejuvenate you. I will help you. You lose a job, I will rejuvenate you. Now, what I want you to do is look at all the pronouns used by Jesus. This isn't all about you doing something. This isn't all about you being something. This isn't all about you going somewhere. Look what happens. If you're ready, say yes. yes. Me, I, my. Me, I, my, and my. The work is done by Jesus. That's why if you're not getting rest, you're not resting in Jesus. You need to rest in Jesus, who is the one who can give it. Now, notice what happens here. Come to me, all you who are weary. That's physical rest, right? Could be. And are burdened with life. That's emotional rest. And I will give you rest for your soul. That's spiritual rest. And he's talking to us about the invitation. Come to me, all you labor heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You know what he's saying? I'll give you eternal rest. Eternal rest with me. So does this work in real time USA in 2022? Does it? Is it? Will it? Can you have it? We went to Israel a couple times on the second trip we were in Israel. There was a couple that went with us from the Charlotte area, friends of our son-in-law, his family, Dick and Judy Wolf. She wrote this this week. Pam shared it with me. Dick and I were prepared for the doctor's phone call yesterday. He told us the cancer is stage four. He has brain cancer, stage four. Dick told him we would not go forward with any other treatment. For our family, each day is a gift. I like that. None of us can promise tomorrow, say. Dick and I are enjoying a laid-back pace with the peace the tra- listen to this, with the peace that transcends all understanding. A peace that transcends all understanding. The music playing in the background with the scrolling scripture is, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Too many times we want our way, which we think must be the best. Only as we yield our lives completely to God can we know the true joy, even in sorrow. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we give you thanks that you are with us. We give you thanks for the invitation you have made for all of us to receive salvation and peace in you. And for the invitation you give for us to not just have salvation, but Lord, in the rhythms of our life, in 2022 to be able to find rest from the absolute weariness that's driving us nuts. We are restless. We are frustrated. We are disappointed. We are tired. And we're ready. We're ready for you to break the curse of all this COVID stuff, all these debates about masks and vaccines and all these 
sicknesses that so many of our friends are fighting. Lord, we're ready. We're ready for a new heaven and a new earth, really. So if you want to come back anytime, we'd be very honored, very happy, very pleased. But Lord, if there's any among us who today do not know you, I pray that they would open their heart right now to you. And friend, right where you're sitting, you can just open your heart to Christ. You don't have to pray out loud, but you can just say to God, I am a sinner. I realize my sins separate me from you. My efforts at righteousness come short of your holiness. So I thank you for your death on the cross. I thank you for resurrecting. And through that proving that you are God. I trust your word that says you would forgive me. So I invite you in as my savior. Be the Lord of my life. Over all of these things that I just keep holding on to. All these things I fret about in my tomorrow. Be Lord over them. Lord, you've given me today, so help me to live it to the best I can. And not always think I need to get somewhere else. But to rest. I pray as Pastor Josh prayed a bit ago that you would free those that are held captive by addictions. Free those who suffer from depression. Free, Lord, those that are right now in relationships they need to break off. Help them just to have the guts to do it. Restore the broken homes. Mend the broken dreams. Help the broken hearts. Do whatever you do in our situations. You are our healer. Thank you for your immense and intense and intentional love for every one of us. That while we were still sinners, you didn't need us. You did not need us. We know that. You didn't need us. But boy, we sure needed you. Thank you for coming to us. And from where we have been fallen in our miry depths, thank you for reaching to us and lifting us, as the psalmist said, from the slimy pit, setting our feet on the rock. Lord, we give our lives to you. In your name. Amen. Let's stand together.